we're back. Yeah. Yeah, we are. And in planning today, today's recording, I realized this is likely to be a deep track. If you imagine this podcast to be an album, this will be a deep track. What do you mean? I think we're going to some philosophical places today. Yeah. A little heavier on the theology, perhaps. Yeah. 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 I think so. So it's not a pop hit. I think it's going to be a deep track. Perhaps. I don't know. I mean, of all 13 people who are listening, I don't, that may be what they prefer. Who knows? I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe this is the new single. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this An era is... An era-defining single. Yeah. Similar to how Taylor Swift's folklore kind of changed her, her tone, maybe. Maybe people will follow whatever the tone is here. I'm in my still getting over illness era. Uh, that's a real one. Yeah. Yeah. We, no, um, it seems like it's been a while since we talked, even though it's only been a week. Because we've had probably a big week. Pretty full week. And you mentioned how for educators since we're both educators, the spring semester seems to be a harder semester. Yeah. Or at least the start of it, maybe. There's just not enough time to prepare for what is demanded of you. And the time that you have to prepare, you really need to be resting during, you know, the winter break, basically. And I think it's also tempting to view the semester as like, this is the downhill now that's now true. it's all downhill that's true may to the end and then boom before you know it it's it's done and i think it's tempting to just like try and get through it and try and get done almost write it off yeah yeah and i i saw something the other day though that kind of spooked me out a little bit and it so. was so you know the average lifespan for an american is somewhere in the neighborhood of 76 78 years okay average so what it was is it was 76 years arranged on a single sheet of paper. Basically, you could print it out on an 8 by 10, you know, like an eight, 8 and a half by 11 sheet of paper. Okay. And every year was a section of dots, and every dot was a day. And so they're arranged in these columns of seven, or rows of seven. Okay. And 52 rows for one year. Maybe it was a little bit bigger than a single sheet of paper, but the idea was you could put an entire lifetime down on a very small area and every day the, the circles were empty inside. Okay. They were blank. So you could fill them in. Almost like you could kind of track your life. And and it just like the idea that a week could blow by was put in perspective of like, no, 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 that's that's one of my rows. I only get so many rows. That's interesting. Yeah, and so the idea of just putting your nose to the grindstone and getting through something seems, in that instance, like I've wasted one of my rows. I've wasted even just one of my dots. I don't get that dot back, mm -hmm. which really is kind of how, I mean, obviously that's how life works is you don't get the day back. Yeah. You don't get the week back. Well, even more motivation to keep up with your 
put the cell phone away during the times we're with family yeah. initiative yeah. that we talked about last week. Which has been going well. It's yeah, been fun. good. Yeah, it's been cool. I think it's been nice too. Here, here's one more thing about that. Like there are certain people who really like to cross off days from the calendar. And then there are, I don't know if these are two distinct groups, but I think there are then also people who find that a little bit repulsive. Like, oh, I don't want to cross off the day. Like I'm counting them down. You know what I mean? Like calendar. Can you imagine, you know, a calendar and you put red X's or whatever Mm -hmm. over the days. I I do do that. You've like passed. Yeah. 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 I cross off the day every, every day. And that is for a sense of accomplishment. I think so. That's almost more like a count up because when it's all full, I get to tear the sheet off and throw it in the trash. Cool. Well, you know, time, the passage of time. Yeah. How do you relate to it? I think there are different ways. Yeah. And as long as, you know, the tracking of time is not distracting you from the real enjoyment of time, I think, Mm -hmm. I think you're in a good spot. Yeah. Speaking of, I was just looking at my screen time report from this week. One week in, and essentially the only thing I changed with my own screen time rule was that while I'm kind of with the girls, like I'm just not going to have my phone on me. It's it's on a shelf, and I can hear the ringer if I need to, so kind of checking out on what we did last time. I've been doing that for a week, and it said my screen time was down an average of 32% per day. So a third of my screen time was coming from time I should have been spending, you know, with our kids. And, and it's just that easy to be distracted. I don't feel yeah. like I was being a bad dad before that or that I wasn't paying attention to them, but it was just probably always kind of semi-present. Near. Near. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think I think that that's been a healthier, healthier balance. So it's been cool. It's been fun. It's Which good is, to see that the data can affirm what you've tried to do. Yeah. Yeah, it is nice. To see a number move. Yeah. What were we going to say? I was just going to say, that's, that's kind of what we set out to do with this whole thing is, is to kind of experiment a little bit with ourselves and try and do some things a little bit differently um, yeah. in, our, in our own family and see how that goes and see if, oh yeah, this is a little bit more peaceful or this life is a little bit more idyllic or this life is a little bit more what we feel like we're called to do. Because so often I think we, we know what it is we're called to do. We know what we want. It's actually so hard to go do the thing that we want. Yes. Or that we know we want. And yes. St. Paul talks about this, right? Why do I do what I know I shouldn't do? Mm. Um, this, this, that's the human condition. Yes. Which is why we need a savior. We do. Which is what tonight's about. Cool. All right. Well, let's get into it. So yeah. cool. I, I believe I will be the most helpful in this episode of just like, listening and trying to ask the right questions sure because this is really a a thesis you have been considering for one maybe two weeks here but we're gonna start off talking about the role of the hobbits in the fellowship of the ring is that appropriate yes and i don't think we're necessarily going to stay on the hobbits long um i think we can make a connection here because i think there's a pretty obvious connection yeah um but that's less our point tonight and i think tonight we're also kind of getting ready for lent lent begins this week uh sure it does a few, few days and so we kind of go on this journey with jesus into the desert 
we kind of empty our lives a little bit more in order to refocus our lives a mm -hmm. little bit more. And so as we prepare to do that, it's important to reflect on, um, you know, his earthly ministry and then the culmination of that earthly ministry, yeah. which we celebrate on Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. So back to the hobbits. Um, they kind of lead us into this idea. And the, the whole surprising part of the hobbits is that they're actually the ones that carry the ring. Frodo, you know, carries the ring and Sam carries Frodo for a little bit and, yeah. and actually does carry the ring a little bit as well. But it's really these two that end up mm -hmm. doing the majority of the work to get the ring destroyed and to save everybody, to end the reign of evil for now, the, you know, the, the shadow that yes. Tolkien talks about. Why is it them? And why should it be them? They have this council. The hobbits have brought the, um, the ring to Rivendell. They, they have the council there and, uh, there's representatives of the elves. There's representatives of the dwarves. There's representatives of humans. And then, then there's Frodo and Gandalf there mm -hmm. as well. And as they're discussing what to do with this ring, it becomes apparent that if nothing is done with this ring, Sauron wins, that, that Sauron is gaining strength. Um, he has manifested himself in, um, in Mordor, or they, they said he's declared himself. He's essentially said he's coming out of hiding and I'm here. I'm, and I'm going mm -hmm. to start executing my plan, which means the ring is calling to him, which is kind of spurred on this whole saga. So Sauron is gaining strength, and if nothing is done, we lose. However, the debate is what? Okay, what shall be done? What 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 do we do with this thing? Yeah, and there are several attempts um, or, or discussions about well, this ring should be hidden or this ring should be destroyed, and they try and destroy it right there, and it doesn't work. Um, Boromir famously, you know, kind of makes his first attempt at, we should use this. This is a gift. Um, we can use the ring of power against its its maker. Yeah. Uh, and how awesome would that be? And that sounds like a great plan. Gandalf counsels against all these things. Elrond counsels against these things. Didn't Gandalf get like really upset? Like, was that the moment he used the... Yeah, the... he recites the ring verse. Yeah. Yeah. And like everybody gets a little spooked. Yeah, it's the it's the um, the poem that's actually on the ring itself, gotcha. the script that's on the ring. Um, Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 it's okay. Yeah, Gandalf reads it, and he but or recites it, but he recites it in um, like the tongue of Mordor in black yeah. speech, and um, even the the words themselves kind of carry um, a shadow with them mm. as as he speaks them. And, uh, and Elrond, you know, says, I never have those words been spoken here. Never has that tongue been spoken here. Like, don't say that in my realm. And mm -hmm. Gandalf says, it's going to be said a lot more. You're going to hear that a lot more if we don't do something about it right now. Mm. And so the question is, what do you do with this? And ultimately Frodo volunteers to take the ring and they let him take the ring. There's doubt, but they form this fellowship and they say, okay, we're going to have, you know, elves and we'll have dwarves and we'll have men and we'll have the hobbits do this and we've got the wizard gandalf the gray going with them and okay um they're going to go do this great great thing but it's the hobbits ultimately that that you know it's frodo that yeah. volunteers to carry it 
and why should it be him? And so let's look at what the, the others represent. Okay. So the elf lords, the dwarf lords, the human lords, they really represent, they're the, they're, they represent strength, Mm -hmm. the ability and the power to do things, to impact life uh, and, and to change things, um, to say, this is my will. And then to then be able to affect that will that's power. Mm-hmm. So these figures represent earthly powers and they have a pretty single, um, or like narrowly focused view of what can be done here. Mm-hmm. And ultimately they're not that different from Sauron because what makes the fellowship and ultimately the hobbits such a good weapon against Sauron is because Sauron cannot fathom that somebody would seek to destroy the ring, the source of power that somebody would seek to destroy that Sauron can't anticipate that, which is Mm -hmm. why he ultimately fails. Those that would seek to use the ring even against Sauron. So that includes Boromir. That also includes, um, Saruman, the, the, you know, Gandalf's boss, the head of his order. He actually wants to use the ring against Sauron. Um, and in doing so kind of turns against Gandalf. They are not that different from Sauron. He, they would be doing exactly what Sauron would say. Yep, that's what they'd be doing. That's what I expect. Yeah. So the so Frodo and the, and the hobbits represent this other path of, of let's actually destroy this thing that's evil for its own sake. Mm-hmm. That that type of power, tyranny, is, is evil for its own sake. And those, those figures represent the ability to, to engage and change the world. So where does this lead us? theologically cool i'm open let's let's hear it so um i think maybe the title of this episode will be choosing barabbas all right if not i'll delete that but (laughs) this idea of of choosing barabbas kind of was rattling around in my brain a little bit when we think of the the narrative that appears in the gospels of of jesus being taken out before the people and Pilate offers the people, you know, this customary, I'll let one prisoner go on Passover. Yeah. He offers them these two guys. He offers them Barabbas and he offers them Jesus and they choose to release Barabbas. And he's, Pilate's pretty reluctant. This is kind of his last attempt to release the guy he knows is innocent mm-hmm. um, and yet mollify the crowd. Who in the right mind would choose Barabbas? Because we don't get a whole lot about Barabbas from the text of the Gospels, but we do get some things in uh, a couple of manuscripts of the Gospels, but also in some kind of contemporary writings. There's a Jewish historian named Josephus who was writing um, not long after the mm-hmm. authorship of the Gospels. He was a Roman, um, but he was also Jewish. And so he was kind of writing about this part of the world, and he wrote about Barabbas being a, um, a, a bandit, is, is the word he used, but mm. it, he really meant revolutionary. It's like the word he uses when he talks about revolutionaries. Gotcha. Uh, one Although of the go- that's not an alliteration, so I like it less. Yeah, I, right. Yeah. Barabbas the Bandit. Barabbas the Bandit has Sounds a nice good. ring to it. Yeah, Barabbas and the Bandits. Put that on a yeah, band name. It's perfect. Um, and so... He's a revolutionary. His re- music is revolutionary. He's a revolutionary, uh, probably against the Romans, the occupying political and military force of the day in okay. Judea. 
in Israel. And, um, and so Barabbas has probably been engaged in insurrectionist activities, you know, or re rebellion activities. He's probably mm -hmm. killed people. He's one of the gospels says that he's a notorious criminal, probably a murderer. Um, and so he's engaged in this kind of earthly struggle. He's been one of these figures who can, through the force of his will, accomplish things in the world, even by violent means, which that's what the, when, so when I talk about the elves and the dwarves and the men here at this council, they're able to accomplish things through warfare. Right. In this context, right? That's what they're talking about doing. We're going to force Sauron's hand. We're going to do these things through the, you know, the, the sword and the axe and the bow. And so that's part of what Barabbas represents here in this scenario. Barabbas has taken matters into his own hands. And he has tried to accomplish great things, things that he thinks are good. But the only means available to him are his own. And rather than relying on God or relying on providence, he relies on the only means he has available to him, which are radically human and therefore flawed. And so... Barabbas is really kind of a stand-in for all of us in that when we try to save ourselves, we are trying to be our own savior, we end up as Barabbas. We end up having to take matters into our own hands and only sinning further. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing when you do that, you're actually ignoring that whole piece about, let's turn the other cheek, let's love our neighbor as ourselves. Um, so you can't do both. And still be like a Jesus follower. Sure. So the crowd chooses Barabbas. They are actively rejecting Jesus as the Messiah. Not that we want a Messiah, not like that. Mm -hmm. It's it's when we get what we ask for, but we go, not like that. We, that's not what I meant. Jesus is not the vision of the Messiah that, that people wanted. Yeah. And um, he's talking about turning the other cheek. He's talking about the, you know, the, the meek will in, uh, inherit the earth. He's mm -hmm. talking about bless, blessed are the poor in spirit and just not these kind of great King conqueror visions. And so they're rejecting that and they're taking Barabbas. And so in doing so, they are essentially forcing Jesus to die. They're, they're getting rid of the Jesus problem. Um, by doing what Barabbas did, like by choosing Barabbas, they become Barabbas by, by choosing to release him. They are forcing their way in the world mm. by to, as a way to deal with Jesus. Right. Um, yeah. They're using force. They're using violence to deal with him. And so just kind of this ref reflection of, of when we choose sin, we're doing the same thing. We're not any better than the crowd who's choosing Barabbas. Um, the reason Jesus died on the cross, the reason Jesus sacrifices himself is because ultimately we needed a savior because we are prone to these decisions about, you know, violence or, or really what it is, is choosing our own way over God's way for yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. When we, sin. That is what we're doing. We, we become members of the crowd. We're choosing our own way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What I heard was using force. 
to get our own way and how with our day-to-day living, we do have those choices. Are we going to go with a flow of how things are? Are we going to receive, be in positions of receiving? Or are we going to nudge, push, prod, and make things happen? Which is really a cultural value probably of a lot of people, at least in the States, of like, I'm going to make life happen. I'm going to make my goals and dreams come true. Um, But yeah, when we're operating in such a dynamic world where we have relationships and other people who have their preferences and their um, tendencies and we're all imperfect, we might use that force to harm other people, even if it's not physical harm. That's what you were getting at earlier. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and not not to even mention the just the the parallel of these two guys standing up in front of the people at that moment in their names. I think the piece about their names is fascinating. Okay. Yeah. So tell this, me about that. This came about. This whole thing came about from uh, kind of a. I was thinking about. Pope Benedict XVI wrote these volumes called Jesus of Nazareth. And in mm-hmm. one of them, he, he, Pope Benedict was such a scholar and he got into the etymology of, of the, the words and the places and the names and the origins of the names. And so there are manuscripts of, I think it's the Gospel of Matthew, that talk about, um, that, that give a name to Barabbas. They actually give his first name uh, as Jesus. Mm-hmm. So his name is Jesus Barabbas. And then you got Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Nazarene. So you got these two guys named Jesus up on the stage, wow, up here together. Barabbas is a is kind of a, you know, it's been through many language filters to get to us as the word Barabbas, but but basically it comes from kind of an Aramaic um, root of like Bar Abbas, like son of Abba, the yeah. father, father, son of the father. They're both Jesus, son of the father, both these guys up there. One of them is the son of the father, and the other one is a human being who's a criminal who doesn't deserve the the mercy he's about to receive. Mm. None of us deserve the mercy we're about to receive, and that's what makes it mercy. True. You know, the celebration of the passion, the reflection on the passion and and our focus on the passion as Christians is really a focus on what it took to give us that mercy. This is also on Passover that Mm. all of this takes place on. It's a Passover tradition that a prisoner would be released and it's Passover that is the release of, you know, the, the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. Those who had been condemned, those who were condemned and could expect nothing more than that fate of slavery and death, all of a sudden are saved. Yeah. And so here is Barabbas, who's the criminal, is saved. And he's saved by the presence of Jesus. And he's saved by the stripes on his back. And he's saved ultimately by his his way of the cross and his his death. His death, the death of Jesus literally saves Barabbas. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and, and kind of really prefigures the salvation that that death also offers to us. Yeah. 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 Well, for sure, the name piece you bring up today, that is new for me. And it's so hard to put myself that far back in time sufficiently to imagine what it would be like to be in the presence of Jesus in history. Yeah. And what a wave of influence he had and just how would you respond? You know, man, the human condition is enduring through time. So yeah, yeah. we really do participate in, it's like a shared grief about, you know, how we've been distant, how we've done wrong, how we've, how we've had hurts, but at the, you know, the whole story of our salvation would then lead us to a headspace of, although we are not worthy to receive this mercy, we're just going to get it. It's going to pour out and nothing is too great for Jesus to bear. And so no, no sin is too, yeah. Too heavy. Too heavy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, Well, ultimately that's what makes it mercy is that we don't deserve it right if you deserve it that's justice there you go justice is when everybody gets what they deserve yeah and mercy is when the unjust get what they don't deserve yeah i saw something i think it's relevant i hope it is uh it was a quote from mother angelica she started ewtn which then became radio from Birmingham, Alabama, I believe. So anyway, something about how if we're not, okay, we can't attach to Jesus without first detaching from the things we're currently attached to. Yeah. It's a long way. That's not exact. That is not the quote, but that is the essence of it. So this whole idea of entering a season where we, go to bare minimum, we kind of release from things that we are finding ourselves hooked into so that we can run to the mercy that we have available to us. It was a new way for me to think about the yeah. upcoming season. Yeah. Yeah. That, that detachment isn't about being a better version of you. I think that can be the temptation sometimes sure. is, is to, to make it about ourselves when we totally detach from things during Lent. Um, but it's, it's really about leaving that space to attach. Yeah. Attach ourselves to, to God here in, in these moments and okay, let's bring it full circle. So please. So detaching from the phone allowed me to attach more closely to our, our daughters. Uh, mm-hmm. to spend that time with them. Mm-hmm. And it was like an A plus example of something had to give. And that was the thing that, that could obviously give that was, yeah. that was easy. So we're about to enter this season of detachment and, and find out what it means to then further attach ourselves to God. Yeah. That's the hope anyways.
Definitely. So I appreciate you bringing up the philosophical as you shared it with me. Exegetical. The what? Exegetical. We're doing exegesis. Oh, it's big. I think, I think that's what we were doing. It's a word and you're using it. It's a $5 word. I'm listening. I'm nodding my head. It feels smart. And so, go for it. Exegesis is the critical explanation or interpretation of a text, especially of scripture. There we go. Bingo. That's what we were Bingo. doing. Bingo. So, do we also do exegesis uh, with Lord of the Rings? Or... That's absolutely what we're doing. Well, why did we name the podcast Building Your Shire? Because exegeting the Shire doesn't, doesn't sound appropriate. Well, okay. I think I'm still satisfied with our name. So that's, that's amazing though. We're pretty, uh, it's late. Um, every blink I blink is a, is a risky blink that might turn into my eyes just staying shut because of my tiredness. Um, I do, I do I feel like think, I'm ramping up. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, it's going to be one of those those nights you times. you stay up thinking and I I'm I'm just about to collapse but All right. So full circle full circle. I think there's something in there about not going for the forceful move, not going for the let me take it into my own hands move which is so natural for us to do. So maybe I will think on that a little bit more in the next couple days and see if that translates to a an intention for the Lenten season. Sounds good. We'll check in next week. Cool. Bye. Good night.